Bill Hoverston, an actor, writer, producer, stand-up comedian, and the host of But You're Not Funny, a podcast for young-at-heart boomers and boomers-to-be looking to live happier and healthier lives. Welcome to But You're Not Funny. Our returning guest is Tim Peering, who's going to take us along for another trip on his e-ticket adventure ride through life. Welcome back, Tim. Thanks, Bill. It's a, it's a pleasure, and I really enjoyed our last session, so uh, I'm ready to move forward. Great. Well, there was so much good material that uh, we get not one, but uh, two episodes with you. Great, great. I'm happy to, ha happy to help and happy to serve in whatever way I can. Thank you, Tim. Uh, in our last episode, you shared with us a diagram that you'd made of your life based on Michael Utvich's work. Yes. a uh, pictorial in overview of your life that was uh, entitled Life Storyland, kind of like Disneyland with all its various lands. Yes. You know, you guided us through your early upbringing in what you called Snowland, Minnesota and mm -hmm. Iowa. Okay. Through Marineland, where life got tougher really fast yeah. at your military service, and Martial Arts Land. Mm-hmm. That was uh, black belts and five styles of martial arts. Yeah. And we also uh, went with you through Skyland, flying planes and helicopters, mm -hmm. gyrocopters. You were uh, parachuting, I guess. Right. And paragliding. <laughs> paragliding, too. Yes, yeah. off of mountains, right. Crazy, man. Uh, and then we went into Careerland. Mm -hmm. where you were a vice president for one of the top engineering firms in the world. Yes. So, Tim, what was so cool to me was that while you were doing and accomplishing so much on the outside, you were also keenly attuned to the inside, seeking a deeper meaning and purpose, and then directing yourself outwards to mentor and help other people. So today we're going to explore more lands with you, Tim, and we're going to start with career land. Okay. Okay, Great, but first sure. I, I wanted to draw a contrast between the successful career you've had and some of my own fumbling through different odd <laughs> jobs. And I do mean odd. I once did singing telegrams. <laughs> now you think that sounds great because you dress up in costume go see somebody sing happy birthday to them but the one who enjoys it is the one who paid for the telegram from mm -hmm. their friend because they wanted to see the look of embarrassment on their face tim i almost got beat up in an irish bar once by a guy whose buddy paid me to sing him happy birthday while I was dressed in a gorilla suit. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> and a woman I was assigned to sing happy birthday to at her all-girl party was upset. She kept waiting for me to strip because she thought her friends had gotten her a stripogram. <laughs> Here I was a singing cowboy who was only singing. At least I got paid before. Well, well, Bill, all of that seems pretty e-ticket to me for someone who doesn't do <laughs> e-ticket stuff in their, in their life. <laughs> you know, Tim, I once worked a graveyard shift 
at a convenient food store. Yeah. Now that's when people steal the most stuff. Yeah. Well, I could, I could see the mirrors when somebody slipped something into their pocket and uh, I just happened to know the prices of everything. So I'd add the item to the total when I rang them up at the register. And they were mostly drunk anyway at night. They, they never noticed. But this one guy, Tim, in, it was summertime. He stole a package of deli meat. He had a tank top on, no place to hide it. So he slipped it down his pants and into the floor. <laughs> I just rang up. I can see something coming here on, uh, so you're not funny, right? <laughs> <laughs> I try not to be, but I can't help it. <laughs> but Tim, this dude was not drunk as it turned out he looked at the receipt and he frowned is it hey what's this charge for and i said that's for the meat in your pants <laughs> made me sound like i was picking up a gay male hooker <laughs> you know when, when somebody gets knocked out i'm sure you've heard this expression before they get they say he gets cold cocked yeah the first time i heard of a guy cold cocking himself <laughs> It all goes into the mix and the experiences that we have are what make us uh, what we are. So Tim, at your engineering company, they had ordered you to get rid of a lot of employees and you were successful in hiding them away when the time came that they turned around. They said, oh, we need to hire. We 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 got openings here. Boom, these guys appeared. You pulled them out of the woodwork. Yeah, what in big companies that are project-based, I mean, big projects come in, they do a lot of hiring, and then when the projects go down, they have to scramble to find people. So uh, my, I had a goal to never lay anybody off. Now, that's, that is an impossible goal. But I carried that philosophy in, and, and it was, Bill, it worked like a charm. Everybody pitched in. We had everybody trying to find everybody else jobs, uh-huh. you know, because it, in a huge company, we had 1,700 projects. Imagine that, 1,700 projects going on simultaneously. Some uh-huh. were tiny, some were monstrous. All around the company, there are places that you can temporarily put people. So we started a whole thing to find people work, even if it was just a week here, a week there, and so forth. Yeah. And then to fill in the difference, I had a pretty good budget for procedures. And I would grab someone, I'd say, okay, I want you to work on this procedure for two weeks. Here's okay. some budget. We did that. And then other people would say, okay, I'm going to take a little bit of vacation. Everybody working it together, we cobbled it together and we saved all these people. And then when things ramped up again, we had them. And the other thing is it, oh. it, it built incredible loyalty because someone cared and these guys some of these guys have been there 20 years and you know they they had uh, their retirement and all they didn't want to lose that all of a sudden now you have a, a group who you can say would you mind going out to borneo for two weeks on you know just some far out horrible place they go, no no problem i'll do it because loyalty they were there was loyalty and you'd taken care of them they were gonna they were going to perform for you. It's innovative, Tim. In, in addition to being compassionate and, and humanitarian, it's an innovative way. And you've built that, you've built that loyalty that you, you can't buy that. 
You that's can't. right. That's right. And it, Bill, it's, it's just a matter of caring about people. In corporations, a lot of times, it's just all numbers. Yep. God, I hate it when accountants come in because you, know, you got to cut here and you got to, it's just like, it's numbers, it's not people. And, and the people are so important. If you put them first, they will put you first. Wow. And I wonder if you could just talk a little bit about the dangerous assignments that oh you have. One of the things we did was we neutralized VX nerve agent. Now, VX is a horrible substance. It's like the devil in a bottle. It, VX is like a pesticide for human beings. Less than a drop in, like in you will kill you. Uh, and this stuff, Bill, is like an oil. You pour oil on the ground, you come back two months later, that oil's still there. Oh, it doesn't evaporate, you know what I mean? Yeah. The U.S. had 30,000 metric tons of this stuff, and Russia had 40,000 metric tons. And it was stockpiled in seven or eight sites across the United States, mm. and it was, in, um, it was in bombs, it was in mines, it was in artillery shells, it was in big canisters, it was in... There was a wet-eye bomb, which had a whole bunch of softball-sized little containers of this thing, and it blow up in the oh. atmosphere, and all these balls would come down and, and just saturate an area. I mean, it was just, it shows you what fear can do mm. as far as building armaments go. So uh, the U.S. and Russia and some other countries signed an agreement to get rid of this stuff. Right. So Parsons, the company I worked for, became a, um, a niche supplier in how to get rid of this stuff. You have to have uh, all kinds of warning systems and sensors because if it gets out, yeah, it's, it's the ultimate it's, hazmat. Uh, it's, yeah, ultimate hazmat. Uh, we did that. We did nuclear cleanup too, which is another very dangerous. You know, all these fuel rods and stuff that come out of uh, uh, submarines and all of that. Well, they have half lives of thousands of years, and they just throw them in a big vat somewhere. And now all this stuff is in these vats. They're up in Washington and they're in South Carolina. And so we and a bunch of other companies go yep. and build plants to process this stuff. I had uh, 25 managers who directly reported to me and each one was in charge of a different area. And it was, it was exciting, it was exciting years. I was flying all over the place and we actually helped Russia get rid of their 40,000 metric tons. Now it's almost gone from everywhere, except North Korea has been. Oops. Yeah, you, you could sort of figure that out. At least that scourge mm -hmm. uh, is pretty much gone from the earth. Right, right, thank <laughs> you. Uh, volunteering your time at uh, Homeboy. Industries. Oh, Linda, Linda Nussbaum, who you previously, uh, Yes. Interviewed. Oh, what a fantastic person. I mean, Linda's just amazing. So she goes, um, I sometimes can't teach my class down there. Could you come in and substitute for me? And I go, sure. And I walk in there. That's a tough crowd. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Talk about a tough crowd in comedy. You've got, I, I have not met one person there who has not been to prison. 
most of them have been through drugs and and the great majority of them uh have been in gangs and they have tattoos sometimes just go over the top of their head yeah. and their arms these are not easy people they will sniff you out mm-hmm. in a millisecond if you're not authentic you know right. oh my gosh so anyway i walked into this classroom and uh had to learn to adapt to not be this teacher up there with all of this stuff but to pull the wisdom out of them that was the that was the key they had wisdom on how to get out of hell because they were in hell the Mm. gangbangers they they've all known tremendous violence and because of it they wear armor they wear they wear psychological and spiritual armor but once that breaks open, uh-huh. just heart floods out. Father G, Father Gregory Boyle is, yeah. he, he, the whole thing's based on love. Yeah. He loves the poorest, lowest, sickest, most messed up human beings in the world. There isn't a day down there, miracles don't happen. He's an embodiment of, of uh, Jesus's message. He has a sense of humor. He's a regular guy. Yeah. And, and he has put together, this thing is in all these different states of the United States. It's in all these different countries. And it works. You have gang members who would kill each other before working side by side. It's amazing. Like one day I said, do you realize that all these thoughts in your mind are not you. It's more like a radio going off. It's not you. Some people were just stunned at that idea. Oh my God, you mean my thoughts are not me? You know, it's just like you can start to make little important changes uh, in their life. And it makes a huge difference. One day this guy was, he was like crazy. He was all over the place. He was suffering from uh, drug withdrawal and stuff, and, and he didn't know if he could continue. Hmm. And so I just simply went to the room and I said, what would you like to tell him? And a whole bunch of people said, I was there. This is exactly where you go through on your way out of this mess. And three or four people talked about their journey, and all of a sudden I could see hope light up in his eyes wow. because the room brought it out all i did was call on people yeah that's beautiful and i'm i've also been doing a lot of meditation i've become part of a community uh mm. that studies uh tibetan buddhism which is very deep and uh e- even into the whole world of dreams dreams yeah uh, they call it dream yoga there but uh so I picked up another whole family of people. And of course, compassion is a huge thing. Compassion and wisdom are the twin wings. And when you give to others, guess what happens? Your ego shrinks. Your ego is the cause of a lot of problems. Hmm. It's the me versus them and I want this and you know. And right. Once you start to dedicate yourself to service, you will enter another whole way of being it's magical because your ego's going why should you give stuff why should you know 
like what's in it for you like all of that you have to you have to turn and find out who that ego is which is a very narrow slice of who you are yeah in, in the in the whole overview of things and that's part of what meditation is about mm -hmm. when your thoughts stop the very basis of who you are has compassion it has love it has a chance to boil up but it takes a while to get a handle on this and study that and that that's what i'm working on yeah see i was driven the first part of my life for all this i was driven i was going to make the, the contrast there so being driven to succeed in this case now being called to become to become i love that being called to become for the purpose of sharing that with others so that you can raise them, help them up. That's great, Tim. Now we're going to take a short break and we'll be right back. This is But You're Not Funny. If you're watching on YouTube, please like and subscribe. And if you'd like to be a guest on the show, visit our website, butyourenotfunny.com. There's three other lands oh, yeah. oh my gosh let me start with family family is so important at first i didn't realize it because i was climbing all the mountains i was getting all the certificates and degrees and so forth right but as time went on i oh my gosh we've got you know just the family i grew up with i zoom now every week with my family from all over the United States. It's just wonderful. It's just wonderful yeah. to do that, to check in. And every year we do a family reunion. Just, uh, just, we have a riotous good time. And then, you know, Bill, at the mastery circle, people say, this is my family of choice. Mm -hmm. right. Meaning I choose to be with these people. And you know, the sharing, which comes from the heart is like, Sure. unbelievable there there are no groups out there that are like the mastery circle i haven't met we are learning from each other i feel real blessed to have uh helped be a part to make that go and you know another land was Shadowland. Shadowland, yes Shadowland is all the stuff that you don't like about yourself mm -hmm. that that is repressed it's also all of the things, horrible things that have happened. Carl Jung, I'm a big believer in a lot of his work, and his idea is to let this shadow come up into consciousness mm -hmm. so that it can be released. It can be, it, it can become part of you. And in, in uh, my studies with Tonglin, what they say is, First of all, you need to have compassion for your unwanted parts. Mm. Think of your unwanted parts, the stuff you don't like to look at. Exactly. Well, you know, one thing that comes to mind, Tim, people who repress uh, their sexuality because they grow up in an, an environment, political, religious, whatever it is, yeah. and, they and they may have desires to do this or that, whatever. It does not get expressed. It gets stuffed and pushed down. Yes. And so many times do we see uh, somebody late in life, maybe he's a politician, a minister, what is kind of pushed the side down. All of a sudden it pops out just like, hello, 
and it's a big scandal. And this is an example, I think, of what you're talking about, the shadow side that is denied uh, Carl Jung. People mm. go, oh, I don't like nightmares. Nightmares are good. Why? Nightmares why. are why are nightmares good, Tim? They're showing you where you have trapped energy, which is sapping you. And, and, and if it's like you said, the guys in later years where it just explodes out, if you don't allow that to be free, it will control you. You'll, get a, you'll project it out on, on, on other people and so forth. I originally grew up as a Catholic. Right. And there's a lot of guilt in there and you know, and hell and, 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 and sexuality is really repressed. Right. And now we're seeing all of these scandals in the church with these priests and young boys. And, you know, you, if you repress that sexuality, it's going to come out in a warped way. What you need to go with this is to just get vulnerable and to explore it and look mm -hmm. at it and let it come up. So that life energy is, is, um, is released and liberated so that you can live again. Here, here, it is. Tim, uh, would you care to say a word about, uh, or more than more than a word about Questland? That's your final land. In uh, yes, it is. Your uh, let me start with, I'm, I'm this young boy growing up and um, grew up as Catholic and I went to church and at some point, and maybe it was because of martial arts or whatever, I got very interested in, in Zen because of the mind. Mm -hmm. And so I studied that, and, and I was taking karate and judo at the time. And, and then I, came, I swung back into Christian evangelism because it had so much spirit. But God was always out there somewhere. Yeah. And there was some priest or some minister who was going to be your bridge there. You didn't experience God. You didn't experience the spirituality inside yourself, which is mm. called Gnosticism or the Sufis, Sufism. Mm. Or, um, you know, different religions have different places where there's a group mystical, that... The mystical traditions. The mystical tradition, exactly, Bill. And that was my quest. And my quest was, who is God? Who am I? What, what, where am I at my very depths? And so right now I'm looking at Tibetan Buddhism, not looking at them. I'm, I'm doing a lot of work and studying. Even uh, uh, Advaita Vedanta, which is non-dual reality. It's uh, Ramana Maharshi and, and, uh, okay. and Punjaji. Those are great saints from, from India. And, and when your mind stops or when your mind subsides, which is the basis of all meditation, you enter an internal moment here, which there's pure beingness and it expands and it expands and it expands and it expands like infinitely in which everything is possible and everything is present. Right. Uh, so anyway, Bill, I was on a quest ever since, no matter what I was doing with my family or martial arts or Skyland or career land, uh, I was on a quest. Okay, so I can interrupt for just a quick second to remind <laughs> you of one time, Tim, you invited me to an ayahuasca ceremony. Oh, yes. My first experience, it was a, in the context of a, of a Christian 
yes. uh, church service yes. with uh, liturgy and uh, hymns, Christian yes. hymns and so forth. And then uh, taking of this ayahuasca plant, the roots and the, and the leaves yes. were mixed together. I experienced a religious vision. Yes. So that it obviously definitely worked for me. I think if it had been, if I'd been watching a horror movie while I drank this stuff, my head would have gone there. But it was, it was presented, it was done in that context. And for me, made, that made all the difference. And thank you again for that, uh, that op in opportunity. Yes, Bill, uh, you're, you're exactly right. Uh, with the substances which are called sacraments, okay. pretty much every culture before ours has sort of blessed that. And you had shamans and you had religious groups. You know, mm -hmm. the Indians had peyote. The South Americans have ayahuasca. So I'm eternally grateful to that path. However, it's a warrior's path. It's incredibly difficult. Right now, I'm doing a lot of dream work and dream yoga and dream visions. It's a lot safer. Yeah. It just takes more work than drinking a substance. Uh, but you can go to all these places and, and visit and do all of these things in a much more stabilized way. So everybody has visions. In fact, I'm going to read from Carl Jung. We have forgotten the age-old fact that God speaks chiefly through dreams and visions. Beautiful. So if we go to church and we see somebody sleeping in the pew. Maybe they're dreaming. <laughs> Very <knows>? good, Bill. <laughs> or maybe not. But but you are funny. <laughs> well, thank well, you for. Uh... <laughs> Bill, one one more quick one from Carl yes, Young. Please. Who looks? Who looks outside dreams? Who looks inside awakens? And uh, that that's another topic about how we are actually living in a dream world in our daily life, yeah. and it's illusory. Uh, you mentioned Zen before, and, and the fascination is in being with that, in that state of illogic. And as an engineer, I imagine that had to be pretty tough for you to... Very tough. <laughs> yeah. The, the, to, to, have, to have both of those. Right, right. That's great. Tim, this has been an incredible experience with you today. I want to thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, oh, thank you, Bill. It's, it's been a real pleasure. I mean, time flew. We, we talked and talked, and all of a sudden, uh, you know, a, a long time had passed. Here it Didn't is. Didn't even notice it. It's tomorrow already, <laughs> it seems. Thank you so much. Uh, my name is Bill Hoverston, and this is But You're Not Funny. For more information, you can see us on YouTube. You can see us, hear us on all audio platforms, uh, podcast platforms. Thank you very much, and we'll see you next time. Have a great day. Bye. Thanks for listening to But You're Not Funny. Please subscribe on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Bill Hoverston. You can see my work at BillHoverston.com. It's been a pleasure. Mm -hmm.